Thanks for tuning in to the Link Church podcast. Link Church is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is committed to linking people to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. We have been having an awesome time with these series, Shadow Boxing. So we've been talking a lot about prayer. Have you been enjoying that? I'm hoping that we have been taking what we have been hearing and learning and applying it to our lives every single day because it is extremely important. And you're going to see it in a minute why I put emphasis on the fact that we need to abide in prayer. We have to keep praying. Amen. If we are going to be strong believers, we are going to have a strong prayer life. Y'all going to say something to me. If you want to see God do things in your life, then we are going to have to develop our prayer muscles. Amen. And so we are going to go right to the word of God. There are a few passages of scripture um, that we're going to look at. Just a couple of verses. And they all are, they sound repetitious. But there's a reasoning behind it. Amen. So let's go to the first one, which is John chapter number 14. And we're going to read two verses there. John 14. This is the King James Version. We're going old school today. King James. Right. And out of reverence to the reading of God's word, I'm just going to invite every person in this house. If you could just stand for a moment. Uh, if you are able to, if you're unable to, then that's fine. Please do be seated. And let's just read. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let's go to 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now let's go over to John 15. What's the next one you got up there? If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Let's jump down to verse 16, I believe. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Now let's go over to 16. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. One more verse, I believe is there, 24. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. Father, bless our time today in your word. Feed us out of the volume of your book. Open our understanding, O God. Teach us thy ways, O Lord, and lead us. Speak to our hearts today, for we need to hear from you. We need to hear from you today in Jesus' name. On your way down, just tell somebody, just ask. That's all we're talking about this morning. That's my subject today. Just ask. Just ask. Just ask. It's, it's that simple. Just ask. See, I, I grew up in a saved home to some saved parents. Why am I telling you that? 
I mean, we were diehard church folk. <laughs> when the church doors opened, we were there. They didn't care if we fell asleep on the benches, if we had school the next day, how far we had to go when the church doors opened. We had to be at church. I mean, church. And when it wasn't church, it was church at home when it wasn't at church. I mean, like we had church, y'all. My parents were so gun-ho and so sold out as a word for God that uh, we, we woke up in the mornings on Sunday mornings before church and had church at home. So my dad didn't care how late we was up that Saturday night. <laughs> Six o'clock Sunday morning. Best believe he's coming in there knocking on them doors. Why? Because we needed to have church and pray before we went to church. Make a whole lot of sense, don't it? We had church before church, but they were, they were gun-ho. I mean, I grew up with, with, with praying parents. I grew up hearing the sound of prayer in my house all the time. And they weren't just a, you pray over your meals or you pray before you go to bed kind of parents. They were, we pray when we wake up. We pray before we have breakfast. We pray before we go out the door. We pray on our way to where we're going. We pray when we get to where we're going. We ask for prayer to go back home. And then before we went to bed, we had prayer again. So it was prayer around the clock. They really believed in praying without ceasing. And they, they, they embedded that into us. They drilled prayer into us because that's who they wanted us to be. I believe they recognized and they saw the importance of prayer. And it wasn't just the mere thank you Jesus kind of prayer. Osby, it was them deep intercessory prayers. Let me tell you how, how, how much and how long they would pray. I got a daddy, y'all, and that man lives to pray. He lives honestly to pray. He has, since we were children, he would have his set prayer time. And don't you dare interrupt or mess around when it's time for prayer in my house. So when my daddy went to pray, you better get out the house if you ain't want to get in trouble because you couldn't make no noise in there. Why? Because he was talking to God and so my brother and I got real smart about it whenever we wanted to do something and get away with it when did we do it when he was praying because we knew we had at least an hour window to get away with whatever it was why because he was in the throne room praying they recognized the importance of prayer they recognized the importance of prayer because they didn't have a lot of what we have today. A lot of them weren't as educated as we are. They didn't have the best cars. They didn't live in the biggest houses. They didn't wear the fanciest of clothes, but yet their lives were soaked in prayer. And I believe that's one of the things that this generation has missed is we have missed the life of prayer, a life of relationship with God. Our relationship sometimes merely just hangs on. I love Jesus. I go to church on Sunday, but outside of Sunday, I don't spend much time with him. And if you can't say amen, just say ouch. Uh, some of us don't talk to God as it were, really devote time in, in, in communicating with God outside of when we get to church on Sunday. We don't pick up our Bibles and it sounds hard and I'm not trying to beat anybody upside the head, but that's kind of the generation that we're living in. Everybody professes God. The Bible says they draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts, the word says, are far from me. But God has always had that desire to have 
us communicate with each other. Prayer has always been the, the tool that causes man to speak to God or to connect man with God. That's always been the avenue. The Bible said that God would commune with Adam. He, he had a fellowship with, with Adam. He, there was something about it when he made him. He made him to be a relational being. He made him to communicate back and forth. And when it wasn't enough for him to communicate only with God, the Bible said that he made Adam a help meet to keep the communication going. And if nobody else knows how to talk, a woman... Show knows how to talk. Don't, don't take offense to that. I apologize. I got mothers and I got sisters. Uh, but uh, they, they'll talk. And I got a wife too. They, they, they've perfected communication. Communication has been the tool. And our older generation had to believe God for some things. They had to believe and trust God when it comes to their health, when it came to their health and to other aspects of their lives because, again, there are things that were prevalent. And, again, let me explain. I grew up in Jamaica, so it, it, I didn't have access to a lot of things that we had access to here. And so my parents taught us to become real reliant and dependent on God. In fact, the church world that we grew up in taught us how to rely and depend on God. If they taught us to do nothing else, they taught us that we should pray, that we should spend time before God because prayer works. Can I tell you the truth? Prayer works. I believe I am standing here today because I am a product of prayer. Would anybody confess that? That you are who you are today because somebody took the time to pray for you. They took the time to pray for me when I didn't want to pray for myself and when I didn't want to even think about kneeling down before God or even opening my mouth to talk to God. There was somebody sitting in the face of God going, Lord remember that boy. Lord remember that girl. They're not acting right but God remember them they're not doing the things I taught them to do but God remember them there was somebody that was laid out on the altar before God just interceding on your behalf believe it or not I know you look good today and you may not think it you might think you're standing or sitting where you are today by your own ingenuity or by your own good looks or your own merit but I'm trying to tell you there was somebody sitting somewhere in the face of God talking on your behalf there is something about prayer in the ears of God it's, a, it's an aroma that comes up before him and it kind of just pleases him when it comes from a sincere heart that causes God just to bask in it the praises of, of God's people are like compliments to a woman that, that that's what your praises are to God your praises up to God and your prayers up to God are a compliment to him it makes him feel good I know you can't make God any bigger but it simply says to God that you know what not only do I recognize who I am but they recognize who I am they recognize that there's something that will never ever get done unless they come talk to me about themselves Prayer is important, y'all. Believing prayer is important and it's not enough to pray. Because it's easy to pray out of routine. It's easy to pray when it's the normal thing to do. It's uh, 
that time of the day again so I'm going to pray other, other religions have set times in the day where they will pause to pray because it's that time of the day don't mess with certain Muslims that are devout I, I, I've lived in New York for a while and we would they would own stores and if you ever think you're going to get in that store at 12 o'clock you got another thing coming they be in there with their mats laid out legs crossed and they're bowing back and forth talking to Allah so it, it, some people was a routine but for, for, for the children of God prayer ought not just to be a routine though you want to build up a routine right you you want to have a set time and I would encourage you to have that time where you meet with God but don't become too familiar and restricted to think well if I'm not in my prayer spot then I can't pray if I'm out then I, I can't talk to God it doesn't make a difference where you are that's the beauty about prayer that it is not limited to a particular location but you can be anywhere in the world and call somebody and ask them say a prayer for me and you can send your prayer up to heaven and God who is omnipresent is already right where and with the person that you have already prayed for and is more than likely working it out on their behalf there is no restrictions to prayer there is no restrictions to prayer there is something about it there is something there is something there's something about prayer that 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 just is just just beautiful there's something about it that that is just indescribable when we can sit here and preach and teach on prayer all we want and yet there is something that goes beyond the preaching and the teaching of it until you tap into it yourself it just sound like something I'm telling you that sounds good but until you develop your own prayer life and spend your own time with God you will never recognize the full importance of it John is speaking in his writing and John makes so much emphasis on, on, on asking and receiving and, and I like John because John ha, he, he describes himself he won't tell on himself but if you read the scriptures, he kind of talk about himself a lot. He loves to describe himself as the beloved of God. He, he loves to put himself there. And he was the beloved of God. He had a relationship with God uh, or with Jesus rather that, that most people did not have because it was he who was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. And so this John writes and he makes it really clear about why he writes. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't have you try to figure it out, but he makes it plain. John says, I write that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and that believing on him, you would have eternal life. And I thought it was interesting, Osby, that he would say, I'm writing that they would believe, that they would believe, not that they would have faith in Jesus no he says I'm writing that you would believe that you would believe now what, what is the distinction in terms of belief and faith they are very similar but can I tell you that believing is what triggers your faith it's believing for something that causes faith in you to rise up and wait with expectation for the things that is invisible, right? The, the, the writer of Hebrews puts it this way. He says, uh, now faith is the substance of things you hope for. It is the evidence of things you have not seen. In other words, when I believe God, faith rises up in me and says, wait on that car. When I believe God, faith rises up in me and says, 
my business is going to get better. When I say I believe God, my faith rises up inside of me and said that wayward children is coming back to God. Hallelujah. My crazy husband is going to start acting right. When I start believing God, then faith rises up in me and holds on with expectations and says, I'm not going to let go of this thing until the intangible becomes tangible. There is something about believing God. And if you ever get crazy enough and really start believing God for the impossible, God will blow your mind. Your God will blow your mind. John keeps repeating this thing. If you ask anything of the Father in my name, I will do it. Eight times he says it. Eight times he says it, six in the book of John within three chapters. And then he runs over to the epistle of 1 John and he repeats it again, two verses, just in a different way. And so I'm realizing that John kind of likes to repeat himself, but I don't think it's just for any particular reason or for no reason rather at all. But there has to be something about it. And so I recognize that John is putting emphasis on this thing because when he's telling us to ask, he's not telling me to ask another human being. He is not saying for me to go ask Pastor Mark or merely ask Jesus, just the Jesus flesh. He's telling me that I can go now to the limitless God. He's telling me that I can ask the God of super abundance. He is the God who has everything that I need. Now, if there are things that I need, I am restricted in terms of how I can ask or who I can ask. Right? So if I'm in need of a million dollars, sadly, I can't go to Pastor Mark and say, Pastor Mark, I need a million dollars. Right? Because he's not there yet. Can I say yet? Y'all better say it with me. He's not there yet. That's right. We're waiting for him to get there. Y'all don't want to believe God for his million dollars? If you want God to bless you with yours, you better believe God for somebody else. He is limited in what he can do for me. If I ask him to counsel me, it's easy to do. Why? Because it is within his capacity and his capability to do. If I ask him to give me a ride from here home, he can do it. Why? Because he has the capacity to do it. But there are some things that are only restricted to God. There are some things that you and I don't know the right person that can give us that thing that we need. But we do know a God. We do know a God, and our God is limitless. I don't want to go there just yet, but I want to tell you that John in his writing is beginning to tell us repeatedly over and over again. He says, you know what? You have a right to ask. That is what he is saying. John repeats this over and over and over again because he's trying to get us to understand that as believers, we have the right to ask. Why do I have the right to ask? I've got the right to ask because of my position in God. My position is what makes all of this, hallelujah, easy or gives me access to God, right? We're talking to believers and he's talking about those who would remain in him, those who 
would abide in him, those who are connected to the vine, right? So if, if I'm connected to him, then this relegates that I've got a position with God that the unbeliever doesn't have with God. What is my position? Pastor told us a couple weeks ago, not only is our father, but he is our daddy good God and if he's my daddy then that means I can walk in daddy's face whenever I want and ask for whatever I want why because he's my daddy I don't have to be blush about it I don't have to be cute about it you on the other hand now if it's not your daddy then you might hesitate to ask you might want to act all cute and you want to pretty it up and butter him up and tell him all this other stuff but there are times in my life when I don't have a moment to butter Jesus up I don't have a moment to butter God up and tell him how great and fancy and all this other stuff that he is sometimes I just run in his face and I say God I need you I holler for the help that I need. I holler for the help that I need. The Bible says that you and I, beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we do know that when he shall appear, that I'm going to be like him. Another writer told me that I am ears and joint tears with God, which means he took me into the family when he saved my soul. When he baptized me with the Holy Ghost, he made me a son of God. And if I'm a son, then that means I've got a right to everything my daddy has. It means I should have access to everything my daddy has. I know some of y'all are saying, well, sometimes you don't get what your father has for you until he's dead. But can I tell you something? Jesus already died and he activated the will of heaven and released everything that he had in store for me I've got a right to ask Cosby I've got a right to ask he's my daddy I might hesitate to ask you because you might just be a friend and you ain't that kind of friend yet that's why he taught us to pray and in praying he says say our you better pray say our who art in heaven then he says give us this day our daily bread why because I got a right to it that's my stuff I don't feel bad the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it I got a right to everything in this world I know sin has messed this up for us big time as a church because they've contaminated the things of God and all of us now want to stay away from it. But no, I want what God has for me. I've got a right to it. I won't partake of it the way the world partakes of it. Oh, but believe I want what my daddy got for me. I've got a right to it. And I get to have a right to it because we serve the limitless God. The limitlessness of God. Look, tongue twister. Of God. Now the word describes him in so many different ways. It paints the picture of God being omnipotent. Meaning he has all power, all authority at all times. Right? It, it, it paints the picture that our God is omniscient. That he has 
all knowledge, all information, all understanding at all times. He, he doesn't lack any information. And it also paints the picture that our God is omnipresent, meaning God is everywhere. But here's the kicker. He is everywhere at the same time. You try being everywhere at the same time. And then tell me how that works out for you. But our God is omnipresent, Osby. He is everywhere at the same time. The book of Revelation says that he is Alpha and Omega. It says that he is the beginning and he is the end, that he is the first and that he is the last, that he is he who is, he who was, and he who is to come. You don't know about your God. I'm trying to tell you that there is no limit to your God. He is the God who stretches out the expanse and the curtains of heaven. He is the God who sat back and threw the stars in place and threw the moon in its place and said, you better give light. He is the God that created the land and the sea and then says you know what I want you to come here water and but so far go no further then he's going to call fishes into the sea he's going to call the whales into the sea he's going to call the birds of the air and call the animals into existence and then your God didn't stop there because he's not limited in his creative ability and so he says now watch this if you think I can only speak things into being let me exercise my power and show you my creativity and so the Bible says that God stooped down hallelujah to God and he formed man out of the dust of the ground and he didn't stop there he says I'm gonna show you my power and my ability the Bible said that he breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul if God can create hallelujah things by the power of his word and he can create with the power of his hands why would you restrict your God God is limitless there is no ending to him he is both the beginning and the end no matter which way you go you will find God and if you don't believe it, the psalmist says, Whither shall I flee from your presence? Where can I go hide? Where, where, where can I get away from God? He says, if I take the wings of the morning and I fly to the utmost part of the earth, then he is there. He says, if I make my bed in hell, he says, behold, you are there. Where can I get away from God? Why are you even wasting your time trying to run from your God or running from anybody else when you serve the limitless God your God is bad your God is bad there is nothing that our God can do or cannot do well except for fail and this is the God that we have access to. This is the God who gave us access. But then John keeps repeating it because he says, now, I don't want you to limit your requests. See, I know we were taught, and I was taught this too to some degree. When you pray and ask God for something one time, you have pray one time, leave it alone, don't ask him again, just go away, don't bother God. Right? They're going to say, he heard you. I know he heard. But then the word tells me something different. If John going to keep telling me this, 
over and over again. Then he's saying to me, brother, don't limit your requests. Don't limit the amount of times you go ask God about something. And if you don't believe it, we go over to the book of Luke chapter number 18. And the Bible tells us the story of the woman who ran into the unjust judge. She had a need. It was something that she wanted to get resolved and taken care of. And the Bible said that she kept going to this judge and she asked him to resolve it. And he probably said no a few times. And he got to the point where he says, listen, this woman will not stop coming to me. So he said, perhaps or peradventure, before she wearies me out, before she makes me tired and want to quit and give up and throw in the towel, he says, the unjust judge says, listen, I'm going to reward her. This is the guy the Bible says that neither feared God nor had reverence for him. And he painted the picture. He says, now, if this woman would come to him and if he being evil would give in to the whim or to the request after the persistent coming. He says, how much more God who would his children would cry out to him. This tells me, he says, day and night. Day and night, which means they ain't asked God just one time. It was a repeated coming to God, making that request. And I want to tell you today that if you have a need from God... Don't limit your requests before your God. I already told you that God is limitless. Hallelujah. I already told you that God has resources of heaven and of earth. And so whatever it is that you have need of, you don't have to pray about it just one time. You just need to keep going back to God over and over again. I know you might have been disappointed and I know you might feel that God has let you down and you ask and he didn't give it to you. But there is something about persistence when it comes to God. And that's what we need in this generation and in this time. Time, there has to be a persistency in going after God I know God is not deaf that he cannot hear you but I'm telling you if you've got a need you've got to just keep asking him ask him till you get the car ask him till he bless you with the house ask him till he bless you with the man you may look for ask him just keep asking God just keep going after him ask the word says and you would receive he says if you seek then you would find he says if you knock the door is going to open and it doesn't suggest a one time knocking nobody shows up at anybody's house and go who does that you'd stay out there right let you be in trouble and show up at my door and go. Especially at night. The way some of us sleep. You knock. Ain't nobody answering your door. But he says just keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Until he opened that door. Ask him and keep on knocking. Until he bless you financially. Ask him until he gives you that double portion of anointing. Ask him until he gives you wisdom. Ask him until he saves your son. Ask him until he saves your daughter. Ask him until he turns your whole life upside down. And bless you real good.
you've got to be persistent in your asking. You've got to be persistent in your asking. Don't you dare limit your request. Don't you make any excuses. And the devil would want you to believe that because you've asked God a few times and he didn't do it, and then maybe you shouldn't have it. Sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes the devil really is a liar. In fact, 99.9% .9 of the time, the devil is a liar. Sometimes we blame him for some things, but majority of the time, the devil really is a liar. And he'd want to tell you that God is not going to give it to you, or maybe you're not supposed to have it. Maybe it's not yours but if you're asking as a believer and you're asking rightly and you're asking according to the will of God then it really is yours and you've just got to be persistent about it don't be wishy-washy don't be shy and don't be cute get up and make God tired of seeing you in his face every morning asking him for the same thing be bold about it be bold about it. That's why the word says that we should come to the throne room of God boldly. Not with arrogance, but with confidence in who it is that you are coming to. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find mercy and find grace that will assist us in times of need. And then when you ask, John says, ask according to his will he says ask according to his will his will his will not merely according to his desires not merely according to God's plan but according to the written will the written will the written will a will a will it, it, it's a document that 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 we make Right when we we own a few things, we've got possessions of some things, and we've got ears, folks that are connected to us that we would like to leave those things with. But the truth about a will is, the will can never become active unless the person who wrote the will has kicked the bucket. So if they're still living, you have no access to none of this stuff. You can't have nothing that belongs to me if I am still living and is written in my will. But the minute I die, the will gets activated. What I'm trying to tell you is that when Jesus died, the will was activated. The will got released. Right when when Jesus died, the Bible said that the veil of the temple was torn from the top down to the bottom. It released everything that was separating you and me from God. It gave me access to everything that was under the law that the law said that you and I could not have because we weren't Jews but rather Gentiles and when Jesus died all bets were off it released everything that we had need of it released salvation in our lives you and I can sit here today and call on the name of Jesus why because Jesus 
died. And when he died, it activated, it released the salvation plan for you and I to walk therein. We are sitting here today because when he died, he released grace. When he died, he released mercies. And the Bible says that mercies now become renewed every single morning. When he died, he released the will. And what's written inside the will is that I'm the head owes me and I'm not the tail. What's in the will is that I'm above and I'm not beneath. What's in the will of God is that I am the lender and not the borrower. What's in the will of God is that he wishes above all that we would prosper and be in good health as my soul would prosper. What's in the will of God is that I am victorious. What's in the will of God is that I am an overcomer. What's in the will of God is that by his stripes I am healed. Many of us are struggling with sickness within our bodies. But the Bible says that God has given us authority. He has given us power. The word says not only to tread on serpents and to cast out demons. But the Bible said he has given us authority to lay hands on the sick. And they would recover. You and I have got authority. When he died he gave us power. When he died he gave us the right to everything that Jesus had a right to the will has released all things for us not only are we to ask according to his will but we should ask in his name there is something about the name of Jesus when I was growing up in church the church mothers would sing songs like Jesus they'd sit there and they'd call on Jesus and then they'd say there is just something about your name and I couldn't get it when I was younger owes me to me they were just making noise and Lord I just wanted to get out of here church to be over with and not go out the door but they would stay there owes me and they would call on Jesus they would call on Jesus and everything in the atmosphere just began to shift things began to change I don't know if you know what I'm talking about but I grew up in the kind of church where the name of Jesus was exercised often and always because there was something about the name of Jesus the older generation recognized that at the name of Jesus the word says that every knee would have to bow and every tongue would have to confess and recognize his lordship which means that demons had to tremble at the name of Jesus sickness had to flee at the name of Jesus brokenness had to be mended at the name of Jesus because there is power in the name of Jesus it isn't about how loud you call on the name it's about using the authority that lies within the name it's about what the name represents Jesus is the one who sits the Bible says in the face of God and he makes intercession on our behalf. It is Jesus when you and I offer up our prayers before God. It is Jesus who grabs a hold of our prayers and takes them into God. And because we have access and the right and because the will has been activated <clears throat> then you and I simply need to just ask. 
We can teach any and everything we want about prayer or we want. But if you and I don't exercise our right, if you and I don't just ask, the word says you have not because you ask not. Simple. I know we complicate things all the time and we, we believe that, you know, you've got to pray this way in this manner for this long, spin around three times, jump up and down, do a cartwheel and a split and back tuck for him to hear you. No, the Bible says that his ears are not deaf, that he cannot hear, and his hands are certainly not short that he cannot reach. And whatsoever you desire, the word says, when you pray, it, it's, it's a blank check. And I'm talking to believers. I'm not talking to unbelievers. I'm talking to saints. Whatsoever you desire when you pray. And I can say whatsoever repeatedly, not only because the word says so, but because we're mature enough to know that if you only ask the things that God desires for you to have, then whatsoever ever whatsoever whatsoever if you can think it if you can name it whatsoever you ask ask just ask he says you shall have it everyone stand to your feet we hope you've enjoyed today's podcast for more information about link church you can visit us on the web at www.linkchurch.com linkchurchnc.org.